It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And hello across the universe of platforms that take in YouTube and Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and everywhere else we are. It is such a pleasure to have you listening in, watching in real time, in replay, however you check in with us. We so appreciate your support. And I'll tell you, we had a record day yesterday. I don't know what happened. We had like a ton of people both what? watching and reacting so uh, yeah let's keep it going whatever you guys are doing there's a core audience here that i think is beginning to share the show in ways on facebook and i don't know facebook I, i'm not a really active facebook person but i think that many of you are so i love the fact that we have videos that you share on facebook and the like and i think that Help spread the word, but whatever. Anyway, we got a great show today. I mean, really packed stuff. We'll get to Hurricane, we'll get to Trump, we'll get to Florida, and we'll get to movies. And Kim is here. Kim, how are you? Yeah. Hello. And uh, Albert is here. Albert, thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have two questions for Albert, so we will get underway right away. Smash the like button like a ball. Smash it with your Let's iron go. rod. I have a question for you, Albert. How is Florida today? First of all, you are the curator of Friday Fabulous Florida, a regular feature on this show, and a feature that is revered by so many on this show. And I'm curious how it was pretty great last week, and I'm curious how you feel about it this week. I'm not too happy about it this week, but I think I do have <laughs> I think I do have some high standards with how it's how low Florida could get, you know? Oh. Albert, it's thank weird. you. It's a weird yeah. high-low situation. I see. Uh, it's interesting that you do have high standards about something. Is that it, Albert? Albert, thank you. <laughs> exactly. It would seem it's, it's, that uh... in no other part of your work do you have particularly <laughs> high standards. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> but when it just comes just to Florida, Florida... Just for my gators, just for my machetes, just for my... Just backpack, for your gators. I, yeah. I love it. Hey, what up, Kelly Malloy? Early on, yeah. love it. With a super chat, it's Friday, and Mark is on. Big shout out. Yeah, big shout out to Kelly. You can always super chat us. If you throw anything into the super chat, we'll be sure to read it. We appreciate all contributions, super stickers, super chats that happen during the show or after the show. Uh, we got a really great after the show contribution the other day. And uh, Kim will find it maybe and read it. We tried to react and with the appropriate love. But uh, since we're crowdfunded, sadly, we have to spend a minute going, oh, if you want to contribute to the show, here's how you do it. Believe me, I hate doing that part of it. But uh, people who are on YouTube for many years say, 
dude, get over that. This is what it is. You need your audience to support you. So don't feel embarrassed about the ask. So we do it. We try to do it in a fun way or we try to do it in different ways. But thank you, all of you who support us. So you can find us uh, at themarkthompsonshow.com and there are links to Patreon and PayPal. And that way you can become a monthly supporter and help keep the show on the air. So the Mark Thompson show, um, square says, smash the like. Yes. Smash it. Smash it. Like a boss. I want to talk about weather and this bizarre situation that has essentially set up to produce tropical weather system related issues in California. And those issues might include an actual tropical weather system making landfall in California. And the reason I'm at all halting in this way is, you know, I have a background in meteorology. And the reason, I just mentioned that because I kind of sort of pay a little more attention to this sort of thing and various uh, atmospheric conditions. And we've got a, a video package for you in a second, but I just want to mention this one thing. You know, the reason we don't get hurricanes and tropical storms typically making landfall on the West Coast is because of what? The water is too cold. You need warm water. It's an energy transfer that's producing those hurricanes and tropical storm formations. They they form in that intertropical convergence zone, it's called. It's like sort of the equatorial region of the, of the Pacific and Atlantic, and you end up with this, and, and, and across the globe for that matter, but you end up with these very um, quiet, uh, they're the doldrums, right? There's no wind at all. And so as that heat energy is transferred into the atmosphere and there's no wind shear to prevent the formation of these tropical weather systems, they form. And then they're guided by prevailing winds and atmospheric conditions to wherever, okay? But on the West Coast, the water's too cold. You don't have the warm waters of the Gulf or of the Atlantic that you might, or even the Pacific region elsewhere. On the west coast of the United States, the water is way too cold to support tropical weather systems, but something's changing. Now, we did historically get, and then we'll run this uh, video package, I promise, in a bit, last 30 seconds. We did historically, and do historically, get the discharge from those tropical weather systems. In other words, as they fall apart, they go on to mainland Mexico, they hit the mountains there, and we get a significant stream of precipitation across California and Arizona and New Mexico and across the West. That is not only uh, not extraordinary, it's fairly typical. But for a tropical weather system to retain the tropical formation and to retain those elements of the tropical weather system as far north as Southern California, that's extraordinary. So with that little preamble, and preamble is a dang word, here's a look at the video. This morning, California in the crosshairs as Hurricane Hillary strengthens off the Mexican coast and heads north. Right now, it's, it's a hurricane, although it's projected to when it hits us to be a tropical storm. Communities stretching from San Diego to Nevada, even Western Arizona are bracing for whipping winds, torrential rain and flash floods. ABC's Rob Marciano explaining the potential impact. Across some of the desert areas, we could see a a year's worth of rain in places like Palm Spring or Las Vegas, some of those mountain areas uh, in just a couple of days. 
The storm is expected to make landfall in Mexico on Sunday and weaken as it approaches the U.S. border. Experts have their eyes fixed on Hillary's path. Its precise movement up the West Coast will determine just how dangerous the system will be. If it moves just a little bit more offshore and sort of, you know, is more of a glancing blow for the Baja Peninsula, then it might not weaken quite as much. Hillary set to make history if it reaches Southern California as a tropical storm. This would be the first potential tropical system to make landfall in California in more than 80 years. Warm waters west of Mexico are partially to blame for supercharging the system, which is also a concern in the Gulf of Mexico and Atlantic Ocean, where several storms could develop in the coming days. One expert calling the record 88-degree water in the Gulf freakishly hot. Others warning that coral reefs, a vital part of the underwater ecosystem and a line of defense against hurricanes, are bleaching and dying across the Caribbean. If we didn't have this spur and groove reef system right off the coast of the Keys, these islands would be decimated. Back on the West Coast, experts are predicting Hillary could reach Category 4 strength as early as tomorrow with winds of 140 miles per hour. The path could change, but it could be the first tropical storm to hit Southern California since 1939. Hi. Yeah, and there you go. That's the uh, that's the story there. I don't know what the... Sorry, wow, the level 1939. On, the level yeah. Oh. Um, and, and, you know, for all the reasons that I mentioned to you, it's particularly... Um, it's particularly detailed as to how it would have to retain its tropical features and get to Southern California, meaning if it, and you heard the meteorologist say, if it doesn't really hit Mexico, if it doesn't clip the Baja Peninsula, or if it just barely clips the Baja Peninsula, then it won't begin to fall apart. And as a result, it'll retain that tropical formation and then it might make it as far north as southern california so all of that but regardless if you're listening or watching in california they're looking for sunday and monday to be the real focus of all of that rain and all that energy and essentially that's what that is you know last thing i want to move on although i think this stuff is it's interesting what's happening worldwide with the, these tropical weather systems because they're they're far more intense than they used to be and i think that's a sign that you know the globe is heating up mm -hmm. but and there's other tropical activity across the atlantic as well we're just talking about the pacific because that's where a lot of our audience is but the um the what was i going to say uh, albert Do you... <laughs> i don't know but Lori has a question she wants to kind of confirm what was being said there she says so coral reefs keep water cooler did i understand her implication there no uh i don't think that's the case okay. um no uh coral reefs i think the point being made by the person in the piece was coral reefs help protect coastlines because they are there within the ocean to, that was my sense of it, to protect uh, the coastlines. And what's happening with all the heating is that essentially you're bleaching and dying of the coral reefs. That's my understanding of it. Okay. This is from Luis. What up, Luis? Big shout out. Big shout out. Uh, this is a super chat. MT, there's no shame in being crowdfunded. We're your peeps. Metallica had no problem charging me $500 for a two-day <laughs> <laughs> Metallica had no problem charging me $500 for a two-day pass to see them at uh, SoFi next weekend. <laughs> LOL. Much love to you and the team, MT. May your Friday be fabulous. How about it for uh, Luis? 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I love it, Louise. Thank you. So, um, uh, the only thing, uh, I forget what I was going to say, but I believe I was talking about energy transfer. So, um, the last thing I will say is the biggest way that the earth moves energy from one hemisphere to another is through tropical weather systems, hurricanes and tropical storms. They lift up all that energy from the ocean, the warm ocean, and that's an energy transfer, the largest way to do it on the globe, and that's why they exist to begin with. So as that thing falls apart, it's energy released, but it's released in the form of these uh, stormy conditions. So that's what the West Coast is, is looking at. And as I say, there's tropical activity ramping up in the Atlantic. There are three separate weather systems ramping up in the Atlantic out of that area I was talking about, the intertropical convergence zone. And they are all coming toward like the Virgin Islands and across the Caribbean. So uh, that's something to be watched as well. But the extraordinary scenarios on the West Coast are really something right now. So, The Mark Thompson Show. Also wanted to get to um, to what happened in Hawaii because it was an eventful day yesterday. Yeah, we we were pretty brutal on them, and we played you the press conference yesterday, but uh, we weren't the only ones apparently. And there's been a significant development, right, Kim? Yeah, the Office of Emergency Services person who was being pummeled by questions about, you know, do you regret not sounding the siren, even though it was the wrong siren, but people had no warning. I said, I didn't, I don't regret it. I don't regret doing it because he said people would have run up Malka, the mountain. And so, and that was where the fire started. Uh, He has now resigned from his position. I think after criticism of whether or not he was qualified to be in the position in which he was placed, uh, we learned he was attending a conference on a different island at the time the decision was made. Uh, maybe didn't know the severity of the situation, but also didn't have much of a plan in place for some type of catastrophe such as this. Uh, he has resigned from his position. So I, it seems to me it's critical to get someone in there, maybe even someone with experience here in California for wildfires and other emergencies who can now put a system in place as Hawaii is rebuilt create other roads and other avenues in and out of this town, uh, you know, institute the, the fire boats, the other water sources, the building codes, codes that, you know, we have in California now from our experience here, public safety power shutoffs, all these things that we know because we learned the hard way that, you know, maybe it's time to get someone in there that can do the job as, as it needs to be done as they rebuild. Yeah, at at minimum, he was embattled, and perhaps it was that he was just overmatched by the job, as Kim said, and as we detailed for you before, he was uh, the chief of staff for the mayor, he seemed to be mobbed up there. I'm not saying that the guy didn't have some training, but clearly decisions were made here that might have led to loss of life. I think they w- there will be, as I told you yesterday, there will be court cases. There already are court cases mounting, uh, lawsuits. I mean, the loss of life here and the loss of property and and just the the jewel that was that community has been destroyed. So yeah, that's a big resignation that that uh, head of the Maui Emergency Management Agency. And 
Yeah. And I was just reading. Yeah. I was reading that the people that the, they interviewed one of the the people who was going through the rubble and finding the bodies. And this reporter from CBS asked, "Where are you finding people? Where you know where? What's the most common thing? Where were they?" And the search and rescue firefighter said, uh, "Recovery now." Said most people were in their bed. They were they were in their beds, which mm. means they didn't know right they that so many people did, weren't even i mean you have the people that were that died trying to run so they were in their cars whatnot but there were a significant number of people that were in their house in their bed no warning nothing so and the whole thing happens so quickly it's mm -hmm. unclear how much an alarm would have helped but that there should have been some kind of warning seems indisputable there are questions about cell phone service. There are questions about power. There's question, uh, the question really looming about how about backup power? There's just, yeah. it, it seemed to be this sleepy little community that had never faced down this kind of thing before. Yet, what we learn once you pull back the curtain on that sleepy little community is that they actually had been warned about this. They had been warned about these issues building. And recommendations were made. This is the point we made yesterday, and I won't dwell on it today, but I just want to reiterate, it had been recommended that a number of changes be inst uh, instituted essentially to help prevent this sort of thing. I mean, specific to wildfires. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot to be learned, but you said it. I mean, it's almost as though you got to step in at first before you learn and change because Feel the, pain. Feel the, the pain. warning the warning was given you i mean in yeah. a you know thousand page report full of recommendations and breakdowns on the community and they looked at all the current conditions weather conditions fuel conditions i think it's shameful though it's shameful and in the best of times probably that chief would have stepped down but this ain't the best of times. And on some level, he has to be feeling responsible. Mm. Anyway, we'll watch the Maui situation, but it's a um, nothing good coming out of there. The Mark Thompson Show. Donald Trump, everybody's favorite ex-president. Oh, yeah, I know. You love him. You love him. He's your guy. He, he's, um, uh, Where's the uh, Trump uh, 2024? Is that uh, the Mickey? MAGA Mickey? Remember they did a... Uh, oh, 2024! Oh, that's it. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. That's MAGA Mickey for those who are new. He was at a MAGA rally and next to this uh, super magged out MAGAite. And in, the camera pulls back and there's a guy. It looks like Mickey Mouse. But he's all MAGA. And so he is... Uh, <laughs> that is Mega Mickey. That's uh, he sounds very Mr. Bill from the old SNL. But... Okay, I know. Um, Donald Trump had promised a press conference at which he would be, you know, presenting evidence, detailed evidence is what he said, yeah. that would exonerate him and would and explain how this is all a exonerate, a, like yeah. big to do, right? Yeah, exonerates yeah. a ding word. Um, but now he has backpedaled. No press conference on what? Monday. What? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm so disappointed. Yeah. It had been, uh, it was going to be the event of the season. There's never been anything like this. Um, 
And then, of course, he's pulled out of the debate. I mean, he never really agreed to it, but he said, you know, I don't want to debate these guys. Why should I debate? I'm so ahead of the rest of this GOP field. Why should I debate? So there is the double whammy. Now, next week, instead of the debate, I guess he is going to be sitting down with Tucker Carlson. <laughs> what? Yeah, Tucker Carlson, who, who in investigations and revelations and reporting around J6, we find out that Tucker Carlson hated Donald Trump. I mean, was unapologetically loathing Donald Trump in private, right? And now he's sitting down with Donald Trump and giving him the out, if you will, I mean, the alternative, as he skips the GOP debate for a sit-down interview. The former president's apparent decision to skip the first debate is a major affront, both to the Republican National Committee and to Fox News, because they're hosting the debate, of course. So unlike Donald Trump to do anything that would be an affront to anyone or anything. But he's going to try to upstage the first Republican primary debate on Wednesday by sitting for an online interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson. What a lack of moral character to despise someone and not, you know, be a fan of who they are, what they're doing, and then uh, with your on-air persona and your platform and your presence, support them and have other people support them. I just don't understand how Tucker Carlson can live with himself and look in the mirror. Well, uh, he's done things worse than this, to be honest. I mean, his show is full of dog whistles. And I mean, he's a pretty despicable dude, Tucker yeah. Carlson. And he's smart. He knows what he's doing, you know. But um, the two deserve each other. For weeks, the former president has been quizzing aides, associates, and rally crowds about what he should do. Until earlier this week, Mr. Trump, this is from the New York Times, where they call everybody Mr. Mr. Trump had been giving people, I love it when the New York Times calls like some accused murderer Mr. Like, you know, whoever they are, if their name appears and it's a guy, they'll call him Mr. Um, Mr. Trump has been giving people the impression that he was considering a last minute surprise appearance on the debate stage. Still, people close to him had said for months that he was unlikely to take part in the first two Republican debates. Both of those are sponsored by the Republican National Committee. And, of course, he's also said, as you're aware, that he won't sign that loyalty pledge. Yeah. Loyalty pledge is so high school. I just really uh, – it's high school or it's one-dimensional patriotism, you know? It's mm -hmm. like the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, I get that we all did it and I could say it. You could wake me up in the middle of the night and if I were – asleep and drunk, I could say it, because I said it every day as a kid. But it's still kind of like, really? I pledge allegiance to... So anyway, this loyalty <laughs> pledge is, I pledge allegiance to the GOP to support whatever candidate, whoever they are. It's it just insanity. But he won't sign it. No. Nope. So, yeah. I mean, does that surprise you? He... You know, he, he, whatever happens, if for whatever reason he sinks in the polls and ends up losing the GOP nomination, you know, that's going to be fixed too. Everything's rigged against him. If he's not successful, it's everyone else's fault. Yeah, I know. I, I actually applaud the fact that he's not signing a loyalty oath. I think that's the most ridiculous thing ever. But 
the GOP is doing a lot of stuff that is really, I feel like they've lost their way. I mean, you could argue that philosophically they lost their way some time ago, but I'm just talking about, I mean, there is no moral or ethical underpinning to a lot of stuff that they're doing. I mean, they call this guy out, and I'll talk to Avila and Shore about this in the next hour, but they call this guy Trump out for having, I mean, Mitch McConnell did it. Kevin McCarthy did it for, and even Lindsey Graham said there's really no evidence of the election not being legitimate. It looks legitimate. But they call him out for having sown the seeds and whipping up that crowd on January 6th, in essence, calling him an insurrectionist. And then you get to, and I've gotten a lot of email on this, the concern, we mentioned it the other day, those uh, conservative lawyers who were looking at the Constitution and seeing that you could accept, you could exclude Donald Trump from eligibility to be president based on the fact that he was involved in an insurrection. So, and the basic theory there is followed by this is something that has to be talked about all the time. And, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that they're not talking about all the time that they should. They should talk about that. They should talk about the complete corruption of uh, Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court, Alito as well. I mean, you end up with this, I think, uh, fire hose of stuff you could talk about, and still we approach Trump as though he's playing by legitimate rules like the rest of us. So we'll uh, look at next week, see what he has to say, but increasingly the Trump show is him playing the hits, and you have a judge that may have begun to back him off a little bit, and certainly the cancellation of Monday's press conference at which he was going to have all this detailed stuff that was going to exonerate him, that cancellation has to be related in part to what his lawyers are telling him. Dude, you got to stop. This stuff can be used against us. You can't just keep serving up whatever and expect no repercussions. Since when has he listened to lawyers, though? I mean, and how long does that last? Two or three days until he's back out, you know, trying to do himself in with his big Trumpy mouth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chit, chit, chit. Uh, um, chit, the, um, the former president, just to round it off, uh, did react yesterday for the first time on camera to the Georgia indictment. And his lawyers, you mentioned it, that's what made me think of it, actually. Um, of course, the Georgia indictment accuses him of being the head of, quote, a criminal enterprise to overturn the 2020 election. He dismisses the criminal charges as a anyone. If you guessed witch hunt, that's oh. it. I was going to uh, say hoax. And, and a hoax would have been... And this is their new hoax. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> witch hunt and horrible thing for the country. Those are, those are the two answers we would have accepted. I have four of them now, meaning indictments. I mean, this is not even possible, Trump said on Fox Business. Four over the next last couple of months. I'm just reading the quote as you said it. And frankly, it discredits everything. And they're all very similar in the sense that there's no basis for them. Well, there probably should be more than four, but all right. 
The former president also called on members of his party to, quote, be tough, saying that, quote, the Republicans are great in many ways, but they don't fight as hard for this stuff. They have to get a lot tougher. And if they don't, they're not going to have much of a Republican party. Didn't he say that on the ellipse or on the lawn of the, you know, January 6th rally? Remember that he said, if you don't fight for this, you're going to lose the Republican Party and your country, something to that effect. I mean, that was really almost exactly what he said on January 6th. Yeah, Google it. Uh, After the 41 count Georgia indictment was unsealed, Trump rallied against the state charges on social media, announced plans to hold a news conference regarding his baseless claims of election fraud. But last night, he wrote on Truth Social that the event was no longer necessary because his legal team would present the evidence to support his claims in court. But I will say this, rather than running to court, you saw that his legal team wants to put off the actual date of trial for this entire thing until, I believe it was 2026. Isn't that right, Kim? (laughs) It's a while, yeah. Yeah. But we knew their tactic would be delay, right? We knew it would be. Oh, of course. No, I mean, it's it's right. Look, the tactics haven't varied at all from what we already yeah. knew. That's absolutely true. But um, if you're, you know, but the idea somehow, and really the reason that they want to delay is that his other trials are kind of landing on the same runway. So the, 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 the legal runway for Donald Trump is busy with the other trials. So now... He wants to bump this Georgia trial. Actually, he's asked for a bump on the J6 trial as well. So he's asking for a lot of these trials to be delayed. And then there'll be other delays that are just built in, like we need more delay for evidence gathering and and to review the evidence against my client type thing. But they've asked that the trial begin in April of 2026. Um... And that is on the J6 trial. But uh, again, there is a docket that is busy with Trump trials. There's the trial involving criminal charges in Manhattan. Uh, There's the Georgia trial. Trump is a busy guy. And he'll have to at least spend a lot of money on this. In fact, on Monday, I'm not going to do this today, but on Monday... I'm going to show you the lawyers that Trump has, and I'm going to show you how much money they're all making off of Trump. That'll be on Monday. Don't have time for it today, but it's staggering. I mean, this guy is a gift to the high-end legal community, and these guys are getting their money up front. And by the way, if you're a small-dollar donor to Donald Trump, you're paying them. So congratulations. Your guy is getting a lot of support from you. So that's a story on Trump for now. We'll uh, bump further conversation about Trump to uh, our award-winning journalists who join us after the top of the second hour, Jim Avila and Michael Short. The Mark Thompson Show. Albert has curated a magical Friday Fabulous Florida, I'm told. Although, if you missed the top of the show, Albert has said it's good but it doesn't meet the normally high standards that Albert has set for himself. 
Yeah. That's a disappointment. Yeah. And Albert has extraordinarily high standards. Sadly, it's only about this one thing, Friday Fabulous Florida. But it is the child of his creation. So I can't wait to get into it's it. No matter. Fake. That's yeah. real. So we're going to get into it. John Daly will join us. Uh, Kim's News and... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Then we get into Friday Fabulous Florida next. Smash the like button, Mark Thompson Show. The Mark Thompson Show. On the Mark Thompson Show, I'm Kim McAllister. Let's start with people on the Hawaiian island of Maui bracing for what really may well be a devastating death toll if it isn't already. More than a thousand people are still missing. And search and rescue teams are digging through the ashes and the rubble of what was the town of Lahaina. Uh, the current death toll stands at 111. And again, more than a thousand people on the missing list. This picture from the Orange County Register, so thank you for this. It is the uh, Hillary, now a powerful Category 4 hurricane in the Pacific, prompting the first ever tropical storm watch for Southern California. The latest report from the National Hurricane Center puts the storm about 250 miles south of Cabo San Lucas, uh, Mexico. The storm expected to weaken before it hits Southern California and areas of the southwestern U.S., but will still likely bring heavy rain and flooding to this region. And here in the northern part of California, we're supposed to get some rain from this as well. So really affecting the whole state, Hurricane Hillary. Former President Trump is suggesting, yeah, that he won't be participating in the uh, first Republican primary debate. In a post on Truth Social, Trump said his poll numbers are extraordinary and he is polling well ahead of the other Republican candidates. He said Americans know his record as one of the best ever and questioned why he would make an appearance. Why indeed? Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, you know. Say what? <laughs> it, look, the guy's got a narrative, and give him credit. He's not getting off that narrative. There's never been anything like this. <laughs> Thank you. President Biden, meanwhile, is calling his Camp David summit with leaders from Japan and South Korea historic. President Biden greeted his counterparts this morning, said the trilateral partnership between the nations will serve as a force for good in the Indo-Pacific and around the world. The Biden administration is looking to deepen ties with uh, Seoul and Tokyo amid concerns of over China and North Korea. So uh, you'd 
I guess one could say that's a good thing that we're, you know, making connections and partnering with people, right? It's a, yeah, I mean, yes, there is a, an articulated or an implied policy on the part of this administration, which is associated with essentially building alliances there that don't have anything to do with China. And so uh, there, that's underlying a lot of this as well. So yes, it's great to have good relations with all of these various Asian leaders and their countries, but it, underlying it all is sort of an alliance that the U.S. feels is critical given the rise of China. I think that's the other thing that's happening there. The um, the bots, these bots. Have you ever gone on a website? You have to log in. You have to click all the pictures of the bridges, whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> Not Jeff I bridges. Lo- yeah. The actual bridges. <laughs> Uh, the bots are apparently better at solving CAPTCHA tests than humans are. What? Well, that's the whole point of the whole thing. The puzzles that require a person to pick certain images before accessing a website are supposedly a method to uh, prove that a user is actually human. But a study out of UC Irvine pitted people against the bots specifically programmed to solve CAPTCHA tests. And it turns out the bots came out on top. There's never been anything like <laughs> this. Not a robot. Well, maybe you are. Wow, that is... Uh, that's not fake. That's that just crazy. Yeah, the bots are better at it than we are. Not mm. a good test in San Francisco. <laughs> the uh, leaders are urging in San Francisco regulators to stop the expansion of the robo-taxis in the city. Officials have complained to the California Public Utilities Commission that autonomous vehicles from Waymo and Cruise have been malfunctioning, blocking traffic, including first responders, and in one case, driving into wet concrete. Last week, the CPUC uh, approved around-the-clock service for these two companies. And now San Francisco city leaders are saying, really, do you have to? Because we don't think it's going so well. So, Well, we I mean, uh, it's it. nice that people have found uh, their way to uh, do every manner of activity inside these various <laughs> autonomous vehicles. We featured that the other day. But hot uh, lemon it, in the taxi. Yes, it is mm. a a bizarre fast track that these things have been on. I mean, it, they really did seem to pull this cake out of the oven before it was completely baked. You know, I guess now they're saying, wait, put it back in the oven for a little while. My I bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Netflix doing some big things in India, partnering with India's largest telecom to expand service in that country. A deal between the streaming giant and geo platforms will bundle content with the carrier's pay-as-you-go plans. The first time Netflix has partnered with a telecom in India in this way. Kind of a bad situation in Hollister yesterday. And our thanks to KSBW in the uh, Salinas Central Coast area for the picture of this McDonald's being boarded up. They're closed for repairs because a car smashed right into the restaurant, injured several people in the process. Hollister police said several people had to be taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries after a truck crashed into the fast food restaurant on Airline Highway yesterday. Police say the driver was pulled into the mobile pickup parking spot, thought he parked but kept the car going, and crashed into the building. Police say alcohol was not a factor. Wow, that's yeah. a surprise. 
is, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I think that's the takeaway here. No, I mean, really, I would have bet my lunch. I'd be willing to bet my <laughs> lunch that there's alcohol involved. There must be something. I mean, I'm, I'm betting on some kind of altered uh, state of mind, though. Mm, I don't know. Maybe it was a, you know, Big Mac attack. Who knows? <laughs> Popping wheelies. All right. Uh, yeah. I had a story about wheelies. I don't know where it is now. Well, anyway, they're popping wheelies in Massachusetts, just to mm. let you know. This was a situation we have here is a situation. Here it All is. Right. Police in Massachusetts are keeping their eyes peeled for a red and white, not this one, dirt bike and its rider after a reckless encounter in Sandwich on Cape Cod. An officer watched a rider pop a wheelie and ride the center line of the road for quite a distance, causing other drivers to veer onto the shoulder to avoid a possible collision. The officer then stopped in the roadway, activated his emergency lights, but the biker kept the wheelie up and headed right for the police cruiser. The rider swerved at the last second, flipped off the cop as he sped by. Wow, uh, that's I mean, unreal. That's some cojones right there. Yeah, that's very uh, impressive. Guy got away, so now they're looking for the dirt bike, and they're saying they want the community to look for it as well. They want to get this guy. You know, um, I have a wheelie story, if I can, everybody. Do you want, yes, thank you. All right, let me just tell my wheelie story. Um, my wheelie story is I worked on, and this is not really much of a story, but it's a little reference, the best wheelie I've ever seen. It sounds like this was quite the wheelie. He kept the wheelie going for, you know, as you say, quite some distance. It sounds like it was over a mile or whatever. He was in a chase. This was a and, defiant wheelie. Yeah. The best wheelie I've ever seen was on the show Chips. I was working on the show Chips, you know, Ponch and John on the California Highway Patrol. Oh, yeah. The stunt guy, there were two of them. I think his name was Danny. He was Ponch's. He was Eric Estrada's stunt guy. They were so good on those huge CHP bikes. I mean, they're immense. They're, they're th I don't know how much they weigh, but they're thousands of pounds. Or, yeah, they're huge. He wheelied on one of them for about three-fourths of a mile on the big stretch of road we were shooting chips on. It was crazy. I'd never seen anything wow. like it. Yeah, I mean, it was... There's never been anything like this. One of the most extraordinary moves on a huge chippy bike that I, I mean i could even conceive of so that's my be the best wheelie i've ever seen was that but this what guy you, could be a close second what were you doing on chips what did you do i was just a pa i mean i was a super i was in college oh. so i was a i was a production assistant on chips for a semester yeah it was pretty cool well, that sounds fun i used to i used to uh, cool not the new chips no uh phineas it was the uh that chips right not yeah, the new yeah. chips <laughs> um, no, it was a punch. And you know, the guy on the right, Eric Estrada, he couldn't ride a motorcycle. Didn't know how when the, when the series began, they used to tow him into all the shots. So imagine that then he got, you know, he got good on the motorcycle or better on the motorcycle. He could ride it into the shots, but it was wild to see them just tow into the shots. Of course, when there's dialogue, they're just towing them, right? Yeah. They're not actually riding, but uh, it was fun. It, it's fun. Cause there were a lot of stunts on that show. So, and you saw the stunt guys doing stuff like I just described, you know? Well, I know we have to get to um, FFF, but yeah. before we do, I have this story about sunflowers. It seems like a nice story. They're so pretty and it's so nice. No. A British farm has urged visitors, hey, listen, stop posing naked nudie in our farm. We're done. We don't want to see your buttocks. 
So I guess people are posing nude in fields of sunflowers. The owners of Stoke Fruit Farm on Hailing Island, which is off England's south coast, issued this unusual request on social media because they say they've noticed people deciding to strip naked and pose for pictures among the sunflowers. The post fantastic. (laughs) A reminder to all, we are a family area. Please keep your clothes on. In the sunflowers, we are having an increase of reports of naked photography taking place, and oh this must God. not What the hell is going on in the United States of America? It's crazy. During our public sessions, so we don't want it. So they they have this farm, which their grandparents' farm, and it, it's about 350 acres. They grow corn and vegetables and fruit, but now now they have naked people. Six. If you incidents. see a sign that says no public nudity, you know there's a problem there. I mean, my yeah. God. Get uh, nothing! <laughs> I haven't seen the naked pictures on, uh, you know, the sunflower field nudies on Facebook, mm. so I don't know where people are posting them. Maybe. What's a guilty mm-hmm. pleasure you have? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So they opened at the end of last month, and they told CNN that since they opened, there have been six incidents of people stripping among the sunflowers. Wow. Can you let them finish, sir? (laughs) They said they always had people taking some risque pictures, but this has been the first year it's been a problem, so they had to put the signs up around the farm. He said a couple kids saw people naked nudie in the the sunflowers. Oh, my God. It was great. I loved it. That's just wrong. Come on now. The quote is, we're really a happy farm a free and happy farm but we just can't have nudity in public view mm. <laughs> this report is crowdfunded so if you can check out the mark thompson show.com the mark thompson show.com that is where the patreon and the paypal links are located and now we're off to fff no i prefer the walmart parking lot rather than the fff i like the walmart parking lot I've told you, it's never easy being in this business. The Mark Thompson Show. Yeah, what up, everybody? Glad you could be with us. It is Friday. We welcome in one of our favorite people. The history of this show has brought us many, and this guy is a gift. We bring him in as a gift to ourselves once a week. He's the uh, former producer of this show, and uh, he comes back on Fridays to join us for Friday Fabulous Florida. How about it for John Daly? John, how are you? Uh, Well, you know, I have to go through a rundown and take out the nudist sunflower story. Mm. (laughs) Burn that. John has a. If you're wondering uh, where Kim's loyalties lie, now you know. What? Well, there you go. (laughs) I um, uh, fabulous producer John Daly. It is true that John has his own show now with Kim. It's (laughs) called uh, the After Party Live. So you should check it out. It's on. You love an after party. After this show, I have to, I love an after party. And I love yeah. it to be live. Yeah. So the we were show hits. Delay it, but mm, nah. it hits for me on on two uh, uh, two solid areas. Now, I will say this, and I'll warn you of this um, right now, John. It's good that you're here. Um, this show today, Friday, is packed, and I've got Michael Shore and Jim Avila, two award winning journalists, waiting to talk about Trump and to talk about the trial docking to talk about politics and talk about shifting poll numbers so should I and go? so what i'm telling you is and i've got michael snyder that we're going to run late today so i can discharge kim oh it's okay but I'm we're telling, used to it okay this show will not end at one uh, on the <laughs> west coast it'll go later than that so their second hour is going to be a little bit i have all the affiliates 
I have Spencer yeah. Christian coming in, too, to talk about the hurricane. I know. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's still coming in. Bottom of the next hour. Wow. So, um, you know, yeah. he's never been in a cruise vehicle. Uh, no, has he? I don't think he <laughs> yeah. has. Mm-mm. But he is a... Um, He's a beloved media figure, and he's the authority on weather. So He said he I was can't... retiring, but he hasn't. There's no off switch on Spencer yeah. Christian. Yeah. So he'll join us in the next hour, too. So anyway, we're going to run late. Um, Albert has curated Friday Fabulous Florida for us. So now, without any further delay, Friday Fabulous Florida. It's time for Friday Fabulous Florida. There is a gigantic alligator in my kitchen. A look at the weirdest stories from our weirdest state. You can't catch me. A Florida man yelled at us. He puts $300 worth of stolen Walmart merchandise in his pants. Wow. Right. I mean, it's uh, it's a a wild wild idea, idea. but it's just my work. work. Ocala, Florida. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is where all of this happened. $300 worth of stolen Walmart merchandise in his pants. The pants of Justin Goudreau. He was arrested on charges of misdemeanor, petty theft, felony drug possession of a controlled substance without a prescription, and misdemeanor possession of drug paraphernalia so if you get it in order you get extra points yeah and he did get it in order or is that the jail shirt that i that's a good question it It does it looks rather jaily Mm. uh it looks jaily but it the v-neck well you're right they do v-neck he knew where he was going you know well there's a theme i should dress up the thing that really makes this story stand out beyond the fact that he shoved all of this stuff into his pants <laughs> is that uh, he yelled to the cop at the store, because one of one of those loss prevention officer kind of people, they call him. He said, quote, you can't catch me. <laughs> I'm the gingerbread man. Yeah. <laughs> He was able to be uh, located pretty quickly, a red Kia, about a half mile away, in a traffic stop. He was put in cuffs. Mm. (laughs) And (laughs) while the deputy investigated uh, him uh, and removed him from the vehicle, they uh, saw all the merchandise and uh, a yellow small piece of paper, which contained anybody? A yellow small piece of paper. What? Drugs? Was it drugs? I have to be more specific, please. Meth okay. prescription. Mm, yes, meth. Exactly. Drugs. Come on. Come on. Yeah. I'm sorry. I could Did not accept Did they specify what drugs. the uh, merchandise was? Um, they uh, did, actually. It's funny that you asked this. Uh, I will indulge this question. What? All right. I will. Yes. <laughs> uh, inside the car was a backpack okay. and several Walmart items. That included a watch, a portable charger and headphones, nice, and 
This is the oddest thing. Lubricant. Oh, what? I know. He did have plans. He did. Yeah. Now, why didn't he just use the backpack to steal everything? Yeah, I guess. uh, Come on, dude. Maybe the backpack was an add-on. He didn't think through this heist. Uh, You know, this isn't, it's not the Thomas Crown affair, okay, pal? It's not Ocean's (laughs) Eleven, all right? This is... uh, But he got the lube. He didn't forget the lube or the meth. (laughs) Exactly. Um, An engineer's explosive exit. Uh Uh-oh. Florida man dumps his pipe bomb in the car wash. Oh, this is in Edgewater, that. Florida. He's arrested after he left a homemade pipe bomb in a trash can at the car wash. Yeah. Do you think he was like, where's my pipe bomb? I knew uh, I yeah. had it. Mm. Is it in my front well, he was essentially done in or... Uh, the whistleblower in this case was his soon-to-be uh, ex-wife who called. Oh. He's 58-year-old electrical engineer Anthony Ray West, everybody. He had bomb-making materials. The couple going through a divorce, he had just left her home in Deltona with duffel bags of those materials. Well, he's uh, very well-organized. Prior to him leaving... Uh, she took photos of the contents, including the pipe bomb. And as John says, it's a very looks well constructed. It's very tidy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they you found a variety see, of you know. You can see why the divorce. Why was he angry at her? So then going to hurt other people? Weird. No, I don't know. It sounds like you and he have a lot to talk about. Uh, I guess as so. To where his anger is displaced. But uh, in addition to the pipe bomb and to the bomb making materials, there were a number of books that were also there in his duffel bags. And those books are bomb-making books oh. and manuals as to how to make a bomb, like bomb-making for yeah. dummies, you know? It's all there. So and black and white, clear as crystal. Thanks yeah, for the thank evidence. thank you very much. <laughs> it's all there, black, black and white, clear as crystal. Yeah, it looks like he was going for a certificate. That's a dedication. Yeah, he might have been going for yeah. certification. That's exactly right. A he- massive alligator. Whoa. Tries to climb up the side of a Florida home. Wow. Dateline is Tampa, Florida. A massive alligator caught on camera trying to scale the side of a Florida home. Thank you, first of all, Albert, for getting a, a gator story in. Yeah. This eerie video has come through Kayla Ronquillo in Punta Gorda. She noticed something lurking in the night, and that thing turned out to be a huge alligator with an unexplainable will to climb up the walls. (laughs) She took out her cell phone, and here it is, if you're looking on YouTube. He's a big one. Huge. It's hard to imagine that he could lift that massive body up over a wall, but he did. And (gasps) Rokio quipped as she watches it, wow, he's freaking huge. Wow, look at that guy go. Unclear how big the gator was actually or why it was trying to climb the side of the house, but it was extraordinary. There's never been anything like this. Mm-hmm. Somebody got into the meth. I guess so. I'll They're remind you that 12, 12 foot gator was dragged out of a new home in the same community, and we feature it uh, just last year in Friday Fabulous Florida. Right there now it it's mating season, and they're hungry. 
Yeah, there is that. A Florida man is arrested for selling $20 million worth of... Meth. Think uh, throwback to the beginning of the pandemic. N95 masks, everybody. Yeah, he's... uh, It's the old school scam from just a couple of years ago. He's behind the times. Rockledge, Florida. The man arrested for allegedly offering to fraudulently sell a Canadian healthcare company more than $20 million worth of N95 masks. Now, to be fair, I believe they're just catching up to him now. This deal he tried to hatch with this Canadian healthcare company at the height of the pandemic. But, you know, sometimes the law takes a little time to get to him. Okay. His name is Esmeraldo Enrique. And by the way, great name, Esmeraldo. Yeah, solid name. Arrested on one count of organized fraud after he offered to sell $20 million worth of N95 masks on this deal that law enforcement caught up to. Uh, he told the company, don't worry about giving me the $20 million all up front. Send me 50K. Oh, he wanted $500,000 down. Okay. And a $1.8 million uh, secure fee. And he asked them to pay the $500 down payment and this $1.8 million to an account in Cairo. Cairo, Egypt, by the of way. Course. Yeah. And that's where the non-existent masks were stored, you see. And then he would get the company the masks. And by the way, it was a good deal. $20 million for what would be $40 million, he said, normally. But I'll give it to you for $20 million. And all you have to do is wire me the five hundred dollars and the one point eight, and we're in business. So it really was a kind of good deal. But the company never got the masks. And Enrique never produced a refund. And so... Police officers got involved, and the law got involved. A Florida man struck, killed, after jumping out of a moving ambulance. Yeah. The Florida Highway Patrol saying that he was a patient in an ambulance as it traveled south on I-95. Jumped out while it was moving. Oh. 29-year-old paramedic. Idea, but it just might work. Well, if you uh, weren't injured before you got into the ambulance, you were injured on the way out. Ain't it true. Multiple vehicles hit him. When he jumped out, oh. and uh, sadly, he did not survive yeah. that. He was oh. 70 years old. So a uh, moment of silence then for him. All right. Florida man unsuccessfully robs Wendy's and a bank and then finally gets arrested. But it's nice to have a full day ahead. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's not like for most people, they would have hit Wendy's and then, you know, take the rest of the day off. This sure. guy, Wendy's and the bank. Melbourne, Florida, arrested after he tried to rob a Wendy's and a bank. Daniel Jeconiah Gibbs, again, strong name, nabbed for the double attempted robbery on August 5th. High degree of difficulty, and indeed he didn't pull it off. The alleged robbery attempts happened as he walked into Wendy's at 135 Palm Bay Road. Know where that is, John? Exactly. And Gibbs displayed what employees believe to be a, if you guessed gun, yes, give yourself points. It was in his waistband. He demanded cash from the register. The employee became frozen with fear and didn't comply, just was so scared. 
That's when another employee who didn't know what was happening approached the counter. Gibbs turned around and walked out of the restaurant. The first employee then collapsed in the second employee's arms. I mean, it's traumatic to go through this. Hours later, Gibbs made his way to a bank, allegedly committed a second attempted robbery. He was seen on surveillance footage wearing a head covering and medical mask, but police were able to ID him and give his information to other law enforcement agencies in the area, and Brevard County sheriffs located him, took him into custody. Well, if you have a packed robbery schedule, you know, you want a snack. You don't want to be hangry. It is true that Wendy's probably was just to tide him over. Yeah. A Florida woman douses herself in Mountain Dew. Mm, Strong. What? (laughs) To erase DNA after killing her roommate. Wow. That is. I don't think that's a wild idea, but it just might work. I will definitely give you that it's a wild idea. I don't think Mountain Dew is bleach. A Volusia County woman suspected of killing her 79-year-old roommate. Oh, Oh, no. I know, and she's this young woman. I don't know what the hell's going on. Douses herself in soda in an attempt to erase possible evidence on her body. She poured Mm. diet Mountain Dew all over her body. That's when, uh, you know, what the cops said that they were going to get DNA as part of the investigation off of her body, and she just poured Diet Mountain Dew all over her body the minute they said that. What the hell is going on in the United States of America? Her DNA was found on the handle of a bloody knife found lying next to the victim's body in the Daytona Beach home that they shared. Didn't hit that with Mountain Dew. No, Nicole Max is her name. Um... M-A-K-S, if you're looking to send a card. 35, <laughs> uh, and she is booked into jail, which is where she is uh, cooling her heels at the I'd moment. I'd be willing and to finally, my lunch that there's alcohol involved. There was something involved, definitely Mountain Dew involved. Florida man throws rock at driver during a road rage fit, mm-hmm. and then the cops stepped in. Peter Chiachi Blackwell arrested and booked on charges of throwing a missile into a vehicle. <laughs> Uh, 32 Again, years old like from Mad Libs. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Throws a. By the way, there, there should be like arrest record Mad Libs. There should yeah. be like, uh, this should be a genre of Mad Libs. You're absolutely right. He charged, a, uh, through, through the rock, they charged him with uh, throwing a missile into a vehicle, criminal mischief and simple battery. Uh, he's 32 years old, as mentioned. It, the incident happened this week at the intersection of SR, which is State Route, I guess, 100, yeah. and Old Kings Road in Palm Coast, just down the street from Publix. The victim called authorities, telling them a man driving a Ford F-150 truck threw a rock at his vehicle at the intersection. The rock reportedly entered the car through the open passenger window, hit the windshield, bounced off the dashboard, and hit the victim in the face. Well, when deputies arrived, the victim had a minor injury to his face. Investigators found and identified Chiachi Blackwell and his vehicle in Flagler Beach. And there he is. The stone thrower was arrested, everybody. You can't escape the long arm of the Florida law. And with that, we must choose a favorite. Now, it all comes down to this. I will remind you of the stories that we've just gone through. It's like choosing between children. Very hard to pick a favorite. But we must. The bylaws of this show require it. Yeah. 
You have the You Can't Catch Me guy, the $300 worth of stolen Walmart materials that he puts in his pants and yells, You Can't Catch Me on the way out. <laughs> you have the Florida dude who dumped his homemade pipe bomb and the other pipe bomb making books in the car wash trash can. You have the massive alligator that tried to climb up the side of the Florida home. The Florida man arrested for selling $20 million worth of non-existent N95 masks. Mm. The Florida man struck and killed after jumping out of a moving ambulance. Mm. The dude who tried to unsuccessfully, he tried to successfully, but he did it unsuccessfully, rob Wendy's and the bank before ultimately getting arrested. The woman who douses herself in Mountain Dew to erase DNA. And the Florida man who throws rocks at drivers and finally is nailed for throwing a rock at a driver during a road rage fit. They're all compelling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But only one can be your favorite. What's up in the chat, Albert? What's the chat say? I have Gator and the, basically the Gator and the Mountain Dew story are going yeah. at it right now. Okay. Albert, thank you. Okay. Um, so in the chat, it's uh, Gator and Mountain Dew that are very close. What is your favorite, Kim? I was going back and forth. Mountain Dew Lady is so Florida, but I'm going to give this one to Albert. Uh, this is in your honor, Albert, for having the the Gator video ready to roll. Mm. That video was strong. I'm going Gator. Oh, well. Kim, how are you? All right. There you go. Gator. Uh... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. John Daly, what's your favorite? I do like Mountain Dew. I like the Wendy's hangry uh, robber. Mm. But mm. I, too, must go with bath salt alligator. Bath salt alligator <laughs> climbing the side of the house. Yeah. And how about you, Albert? What do you think? Yeah, a couple of notes. Uh, I do notice a theme. Every time there's a robbery, there's always a second attempt. I, I feel like that's yeah. what I always see when I'm looking for the stories. But I'm going with The Rock because that seems like a a disney baseball movie like he throws the rock <laughs> into the window it's it like enchanted he gets out he gets yeah. signed to a baseball team because that's pretty hard to do throwing a small rock into a moving vehicle <laughs> <laughs> so albert is giving it to him on degree of dif like difficulty thank you yeah, yeah. Right. we've seen that one before uh i love the lady who pours mountain dew all over herself to yeah. get rid of the dna so um that, my friends, is Friday Fabulous Florida for right today. On. This has been Friday Fabulous Florida. There is a gigantic alligator in my kitchen. Y'all come back now, here. Yeah? 
Thanks to fabulous producer John Daly, who uh, will be doing the uh, After Party Live show. And just quickly, uh, we have Mm -hmm. a major announcement. The After Party Uh Live has just qualified for monetization. What? You have what? Congratulations, Kim. Oh, Um, you qualified? That's great. We move on to the next round. Good. um, Good. Good luck with the algorithm. Now they're doing with. <laughs> now they're doing it for big money. Love it. All right. Uh, well, have fun, Johnny. We'll talk to you soon. See you next week. Adios. Yeah. Right on. The Mark Thompson Show. On Fridays, we are so lucky to uh, welcome in two award-winning journalists who have reported on politics for all of their professional careers. This guy has forgotten more about politics than most of us will ever know. How about it for the great Michael Shore, everybody? Michael Shore. And, uh, of course, the former senior correspondent at ABC News, longtime White House correspondent, Jim Avila. Yeah. Gentlemen, very big week. And I'm wondering um, where you want to start. The, The... uh, certainly the indictments have now stacked up. It's a broad uh, network that is well described in the Georgia indictment. But the thing that is troubling is the call for violence and for intimidation. And it would appear that that call is being honored. So uh, I'm troubled by a lot of stuff here. And then I want to get to the poll, or you can mention the poll whenever you want. I know Jim Avila has been you know, talking about the fact that Trump ain't as popular as you think he is type thing. Um, and maybe even as the media represents him. So at some point, let's visit that. But in any case, so Jim, get us going. What what were your thoughts on the week? Oh, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what is happening, Albert, with Jim's stuff? Hello, Can, hello. What there you go. Show? Okay, go for it. Go ahead, Jim. Better now? Yes, thank uh, you. I, I think, you know, the one of the significant things that has happened this week is Trump's attorneys uh, have indeed asked for a huge delay, as you've mentioned, Mark, on the show today in his trial to 2026. And while it sounds absurd, and it is absurd, they do have kind of a case that it shouldn't start as soon as, as, the, as the prosecution wants. When you listen to the breakdown, there are so much, there is so much evidence against it. There are so many documents that in their, in their plea, they say to the judge, we would have to read 900,000 documents a day to get to the point to where, um, uh, to, to where they could catch up and provide a defense. There is so much evidence that really what he's asking for is probably not gonna happen. They should, uh, there should be some delay so 2026 is ridiculous. Uh, all he, and unfortunately, all he really needs or wants is until the 2024 election, uh, where he's hoping against hope that somehow he'll win. Uh, I think Michael and I have pretty much uh, said that uh, there's not he doesn't have a chance of winning. So is it all academic? Possibly. Michael? Yeah, look, when you look at all the cases, I mean, you saw Eileen Cannon in in the Florida case when the Trump people asked for a delay, say no, and she's a Trump appointed judge in the state of Florida. So it, it the, this idea that they're going to be asking for these delays is 
is actually to be expected. It's the way that the judges deal with it and the way that the prosecutors deal with it too, because if the defense needs all that time, so too does the prosecution. So an extension may be put into place here, but uh, there are other options here as well, which is bifurcating some of this case uh, so that some of it can be tried very quickly and some of it's gonna take a while. And then you have all these unindicted co-conspirators or indicted co-conspirators who are um, going to clearly, some of them, work for the prosecution, uh, take deals here to speak about what happened. So the evidence is going to get worse for Trump before it gets better. These people know that and going to the election here, that's exactly what they're trying to to avoid. So I, I think that's why they're asking for it. It probably deserves a delay. 2026, when he will still be a former president, uh, uh, seems like it's a, a little too far. I just uh, wish they could get, somehow get together. You know, um, why, why can't they? What is preventing... Jack Smith getting together with the New York people and the Georgia people. I think the look of it. And and getting a schedule, you know, getting a schedule that works for everyone. They, They could do it. To get together, though, sends a message that there's this cabal against Trump rather than these four separate jurisdictions that are going after him in different ways for different things. And that's the perception that they don't want to get up, give off. They want to say, make it seem like it's coming from everywhere, not that it's coming yeah. from one big place. Send their uh, scheduling secretaries. You know, they don't have to go themselves. Yeah. Get a, a little a calendar, one of those old books, get together and, you know, let's figure this out. It's not that difficult. Well, there is that fact that these things are all how he's saying it in the first hour, kind of all having to land on the same runway. You know, there's a there's a lot of lot of stuff in the air that has to be landed here legally. I'm talking about, but uh, right, and that's not the prosecution's right. fault. That's sure. Donald Trump's fault. He broke right. laws everywhere, and so now he's having to face the music. Yeah, that's the reason you have you know all these indictments, all these indictments you know, around me. I don't understand it. Isn't it clear? The more indictments they bring, the more it's just a political witch hunt. No, the more indictments they bring, potentially it means the more the more laws you broke, uh, which I think it seems demonstrably the case. Uh, bifurcating is a ding word, and cabal is a ding word. I wanted to ask you though, d- does this dirty up Trump? Does any of this stick to this guy that really you know? I'll use the phrase Teflon Don, which. I think goes back to you know New York mobster type uh, reporting, yeah. uh, but uh, he 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 is someone who seems to have weathered a lot of these legal storms and these various legal entanglements, pretty um, uh, in a way that really left him look left left him free to ascend to the presidency. Does this stuff stick to him now, Jim? Uh, I think so. I think it's it is sticking. You alluded to the poll that showed that. Uh, uh, more than 65 percent of uh of the electorate the general electorate will not uh, vote for him in a, as a president uh and i think you know i think the republican party is setting itself up for a disaster not just for donald trump but for the entire party and damage for years to come if they do indeed nominate this guy the you know the more we hear i mean this this georgia indictment is so thorough and and so damning. And a lot of people heard about this one, you know, and, and I think that the polls are gonna get just worse and worse. And I think he has minute, you know, just a minuscule chance of ever winning a general election. Again, no matter what the Democrats do, and no matter what 
you know, baloney they throw up against uh, against Joe Biden because of his son Hunter, there is really uh, no chance for not only Donald Trump, but for the Republican Party as a whole, for the loyal opposition. It's not there anymore. Uh, and the only way, the place I diverge with Jim there, because I, I agree with just about all he's saying, is that it's going to have an enduring effect. I don't think things have enduring effects anymore. And I, I need to be proven otherwise, but I think that this will matter now and then it won't matter later. Uh, even if they nominate him, it'll be say, they'll, it'll be very easy uh, between election cycles to say we're taking a break from the past when he becomes toxic uh, and it, he's on his way to becoming toxic. Let's also not forget that he was rejected and lost before he was ever indicted. He was a losing president uh, for re-election before he was ever indicted. Now these indictments make it even more difficult for him, especially when you see the numbers like 65% of Americans practically saying they would never vote for him for president. The Republicans also have to think practically about that, whether it's Donald Trump or not. They want a Republican president, and and that that's where it becomes uh, something that they have to uh, see mattering. There, there is going to be when we see this debate next Wednesday night, the first Republican debate. You're going to see people going after. Uh, each other, but also trying to adhere to Trump while saying at the same time, you know, but we need a break from that. We need to go in a different direction, his policies, but not the distractions. And and the more he becomes that distraction, the more people will start to accept that. Again, Democrats want Donald Trump to run for president, and the, these numbers show why. Yeah, the numbers are, uh, well, just even on the, whether he should be prosecuted, the numbers are overwhelming. Um, yeah. 57% to 37%. That's a Quinnipiac uh, poll. Um, and they're, Hamden, they're Connecticut. Hamden, Connecticut is where you'll find Quinnipiac. Um, and uh, it's, by the way, you know, as Jim says, you know, these polls are now among independent voters, which I think increasingly is where the focus of attention comes, right? It's where, you know, again, I don't, these independent voters, you guys can help me with this. They are those who have registered independent or who are, still not sure which way they want to go when they when they when they talk about independent voters in a poll what do they mean michael shore they cite it when they say it's registered independence otherwise they, they have a little more wiggle room um, as to who an independent is you can ask somebody if they're an independent or not and they can say it but when they cite independent voters uh, it shows up that way so i don't know how it was cited with quinnipiac that, but the point is, when you look at the pool of independent voters, a lot of them are disaffected Republicans who don't want to vote for Donald Trump, but may then lead lean toward whoever the Republican nominee is coming back into the fold. It is wild to hear, Jim, that off referenced, well, I don't want Joe Biden in, so I'd vote for anyone but that, you know, Marxist communist but whatever they, they they it's almost like a talking point related thing the uh, vitriol associated with the biden presidency i don't know quite where it comes from because biden you can disagree with his policies but he's not a particularly hateful guy you know he's not a flamethrower um do we only hear that from the partisans and it doesn't extend beyond those well the hatred i think is just from the partisans and it's you know there's always been this right-wing hatred it, first, it was, you know, it was really focused on Hillary Clinton for, you know, a decade or more. Uh, Barack Obama got some of it, but he was he was insulated a bit by not only his charisma, uh, but by the fact that he was a black man. So they had to be a little careful. Um, but now it's being unleashed on Joe Biden by that that segment 
that is really pro-Trump and really uh, anti-Democrat and believes that uh, because we have medical care for all or for many, that it's we've become a communist nation. Those folks, um, you know, those folks are not going to change. Are not going to change their mind. I think the reticence among the rest of the people, among independents and among Democrats, remains uh, whether or not Joe Biden will remain healthy and whether or not he will live because of his age. That is the leading problem with Joe Biden. It's not his policies. His policies are very popular. And he's he's pretty popular as a person, but his age is a problem. And his his age being a problem makes his vice president a problem too. Because I've always been of the opinion that vice presidents don't matter. And because I'm right about it, they never have. They don't really affect who you vote for. Maybe Lyndon Johnson helped John Kennedy, but it's hard to think back to another time where it mattered as much electorally. But but when you look at what, um, what an 80-year-old perceptibly slower president uh, is, you know, in terms of his gait and his motion, not, not, not in my opinion, anyway, um, his brain and, and the way he's, he's uh, presiding, um, it, it takes on a new flavor. And if you have a vice president who isn't popular, that too becomes a, um, a burden. And I think that it will be up to that ticket to sort of really pull up uh, Kamala Harris, Vice President Harris, as much as they can uh, in these coming months. Because I, I think things that didn't matter before, like age, like vice president, are going to matter a lot this year or next year. Well, I mean, to your point, Brian is saying uh, this. Uh, he does have a chance to win. If Trump sells the Harris as president thing, should something happen to Biden? It's exactly the point you're making. And those afraid of socialism vote against the Harris for president thing. He could pull this off. I mean, essentially buttressing what you've just said. It is wild that the it's still Trump. It's still Trump, right? It doesn't matter as much as Trump. None of it matters as much as Trump matters, in my opinion. And and so getting if if Trump is the nominee, it's going to be very difficult for any of that to really stick. If Trump is not the nominee, and Republicans, many of them know it, many have said it privately. If Trump is not the nominee, then all of these things can be exploited really, really easily by. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I, the, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. I don't get. I, I still am not. I mean, to, I have to push back on Michael a little bit. I. Every vice president has a problem. Correct. They they do not. You know they're they're in a terrible job, which does not allow them uh, to. And if Harris would have asserted herself, then there'd be complaints about her asserting herself and trying to take, you know, take away from, from Biden and, and put herself as a candidate. So she's in a very difficult position. And I see your, some of your viewers have been saying that Harris is a problem and Michael believes that she's a problem. I don't. It's not against Harris. I don't understand why she is a problem, frankly, because of everything you just said. I really don't get it. But she is. And and I think she will matter more 
And what I'm saying is they can make her not a problem quite easily uh, or, or they can work at doing that. And so, I, I mean, I interrupted you, Jim, but I, I want you no, to- No, like, I mean, that's fine. I mean, and I agree. I agree that she, that there's a perception out there that she's a problem, as we can see from the, from the comments here. Uh, you know, the, this guy who's saying that she is a, a, a socialist is out of his mind. He doesn't know what, what she's about if he calls her a socialist. She right. was, you know, she was a district attorney and an attorney general in California where she was criticized for being too tough and That's putting right. mar- people who were smoking marijuana in prison. This is a woman who is not a, a flaming liberal. She is, she is a pretty much a, a pretty moderate Democrat. Just because she's African-American doesn't make her a, a crazy progressive. Uh, you know, that, that, that's just wrong. Yeah, she's not a socialist. She's not anywhere near that. She was certainly, when they were looking for progressive, uh, you know, uh, bona fides uh, in, last time um, against Bernie Sanders, her, her progressive uh, record was really low when she was a senator in that brief time. So I, I, you're right. I, I'm just, I'm really just talking about it as how she's perceived on the ticket and the fact that the, the the vice president does nothing means nothing, but this is the first time it's going to mean something in our lifetime that it, it could mean something because of the president's age. And the rest of that GOP field, is there anything uh, that stands out to you? I was, I've kind of begun to take apart that Vivek Ramaswamy, I'd be happy to do more of it next week if there's interest. It seemed like there was a lot of interest in uh, comments that I saw. But also, you've got Chris Christie beginning to get some traction. He's the only real smack talker up there. Everybody else, as you said, has tried to sort of walk on eggshells around Trump and get to policies. Can you see anyone in the rest of the field who might begin to be more ascendant, Michael? I mean, I, I always go to Tim Scott. He's uh, from an early, a now earlier state um, uh, in South Carolina. Uh, he is somebody that is a real conservative. Uh, he's African American. He uh, speaks the religious. He speaks the social. He, he is um, he's somebody who could be appealing to voters who are looking for something that isn't Trump and don't really buy into DeSantis, as we're seeing. I think Vivek Ramaswamy and some of the others are. You know, every election has somebody like a Vivek Ramaswamy. If it was Andrew Yang last time, if it was Maury Taylor in 96, they're, they're, they're people that come out and do these things, which to their credit, and, and he's getting traction. He beat DeSantis in one poll I saw this week. But I, I think that the one that I would look at is Tim Scott. Jim. And I don't, think, I don't think anybody in the race right now is, is going to, is going to emerge as the candidate of Trump falters. Uh, I would I would watch out for Glenn Youngkin um, out of Virginia, uh, who is um, more moderate than than the others. Uh, he uh, you know he he vaulted into national prominence, be, you know, because of his stance on schools, which could leave him a, a bit you know, in a bit of trouble in the general election. Uh, you know, he he's the one who didn't want, you know, who was campaigning against uh, uh, race theory, which is total baloney, but it, it needs to be, and it would, it would be under a lot more uh, scrutiny if he runs for president. But he, you know, he's one of the, it's governors, Republican governors who will emerge if there's a, uh, 
if, if there's a, a problem with Trump and if he actually goes away, in my opinion. And Brian Kemp is one, too, who has maintained throughout an anti-Trump strain. He's from Georgia, uh, which would close the book on Georgia pretty immediately uh, for the Republicans, which they would like to do. So there is something um, that matters uh, there. Um, if Brian Kemp were to run, uh, he stayed out of this race. And I, I agree that I don't think we're looking at any of the next Republican candidates in the race right now. Just to digress for a moment off the presidency in our last minute or two, uh, you know, I'm seeing Michael Shore in so many of these state legislatures and as you just mentioned, governors, uh, these draconian uh, efforts to get rid of books in schools and you're seeing the the policies that we talk about as really not being viable or popular nationally. You're seeing them instituted. It's a bizarre but uh, frankly, it's a, it, these are events that are happening nationwide. Can you speak to the politics of that, kind of the local politics associated with this stuff? Well, it's sort of like it's 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 grooming your own minor league team in a way, right? If you're if you're a baseball team and you have a good strong farm system, you, it, it bodes well for the future, and that's pretty much what they're doing. You know, it's a longer conversation than one or two minutes before the end of of our segment, but but basically, it's what the Koch brothers did and started, which was let's forget the presidency and the Senate; those are going to go the way they go. Let's take care of the state legislatures. Let's look at state houses and state senates and work on those uh, and get our policies and get conservatism growing there. It's it's grassroots conservatism, which has worked well for progressives on the other side. And they took a book out of it and they have so much more money for those uh, for those issues. And that's why you're seeing them happen in short. Yeah. And, and it's the reason it's been successful is that Democrats have not been focused on these state legislatures have not put the money into it. Uh, and even local school boards, they've not paid attention. And uh, and, and they need to pay attention. You know, there's a great article today in the Washington Post. You have a chance to read it about how American democracy is uh, is cracking uh, because we're being run by minority government. Uh, and, it, and minority government has way too much power, uh, not only in the Senate and in the Congress, where people don't have, you know, they, they're, it's it's big so that the popular the popular vote means nothing, but also, uh, you know, with the Supreme Court, uh, the Supreme Court is ruling against very popular things uh, in the United States. You know, from gun control to abortion, all these issues that are very popular, and that all that is undermining the confidence of Americans in their government because they see that it's not uh, reflecting what their values are and that they can't change it. We can't change it no matter how many people get out and vote for the president. It's not working because the Republicans have been very successful in gerrymandering all these uh, districts around the, around the country and states, and that needs to change. And, and not, not to mention uh, the Electoral College, which is the sort of granddaddy of all minority um, uh, rule. I mean, it doesn't matter how many votes you get for president either. You could win the presidency, uh, as we've seen with, with the Electoral College. The Senate is, deni is designed that way. The rest of the government was not designed that way. Well, and as long as you're reading things, the, the Post article sounds intriguing. I haven't seen it yet this morning. But I would encourage you to, on Michael's point, when you talk about Koch brother money and you talk about the concentration on local government, it's the Jane Mayer book. I read it a while ago. I think it's called Dark Money. And it really speaks to what Michael Shore is talking about, and Jim as well, that you, know, you, you begin the blocking and tackling at the local level. 
and you don't think about local politics, but it, the book even describes how they get into educational institutions. And so you, you've really created, as you said, Michael, kind of to use your farm team kind of uh, parallel, you've created a system by which you will take power. So I recommend that book as well. Guys, got to wrap. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Michael Shore on TYT, Jim Avila. Look forward to your column every week as well, sir. So we'll talk next week. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. The Mark Thompson Show. Albert and Kim, I need a team meeting here. Bottom of the hour. I've got yeah. a distinguished, award-winning journalist in his own right. Broadcaster. I'm going to take the bump. And I'm going straight for the distinguished broadcaster. That's yeah, what happens. We yeah. love him. Albert, are you good with that? Yeah. I love that. Well, All I right. love Kim, but I also love Spencer Fish. Aww. We haven't had it on, mm -hmm. a, on in a while. So yeah. No, we haven't. It's been a frustration. I actually was thinking about this the other day, not related to hurricanes or tropical weather systems. It's been too long since we've had this guy who um, whose work I love. Yeah. I love spending time with him. I feel like, if, again, I've said this before, but if, like if we had coexisted in the same market you know if i'd been in new york and he'd been in new york if i'd been in san francisco and he'd been in san francisco we were always just that we would have been like real fast friends I think and we you probably are. but even more yeah um and both of us probably would have no money but it would be so <laughs> much fun to tell that story so the mark thompson show how about it for America's weather dude, Spencer Christian, everybody? Yay! <laughs> what up with you, Spencer? Oh, man, I love the line about having no money. <laughs> it is so true. Funny. I just uh, feel if you and I live together, we would love life, but we'd have no money at the end of that love. And uh, we uh, we share the same decadent appetites for gambling. Uh, yes, Spencer wrote yes. a whole book about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, yeah. Can you believe so, it's been nine years since I entered a casino or a card room? Uh, oh. I, and I mean, that was such a huge part of my life for like 30 years, but, uh, it was great to have that weight off my shoulders and, and to have a little bit of money in my pocket now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Um, and you know, I'll say this also about the card rooms. Cause I, you know, was there and I used to see Spencer in the card rooms occasionally, you know, and playing different games, yeah. but, uh, in poker mostly, but, um, you begin to have, when you lose, and you were pretty good in your book. You kind of described the fact that you tried. It didn't really affect your attitude much, but it can't help but affect your mood when you start losing, losing, losing and questioning, why did I do this? Why did I call? Why did I raise? Why did I play that hand? Why did I see that he had that? And I'm still in that world, not at the huge stakes that I used to play. But in general, I still ask those questions, even at small stakes. And that can't help but affect your mood and your interactions with family and it just sucks you know no, you're, you're right you're absolutely right it does affect your mood and it just uh it's painful inside you know uh it's yeah. and you you have so many moments of anxiety and frustration and guilt and you know all of that shame all of that stuff um it, i think the point i try to make when i talk about n not having my mood too uh severely affected is that there were so many things in my life that did bring me joy that it offset some of that pain, you know, my family, my mm -hmm. kids, my job, obviously, those things brought me joy. And I could sort of mentally escape, you know, the, the, uh, the pain from the gambling losses and all that, but it was always there lingering, lurking in the background. 
Yeah, that's like, I mean, compartmentalizing, really, I guess is what that, yeah, you know, they talk about it yeah. that way. Is right. that a ding word? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah, okay, that would be a ding word. Thank you. Uh, Spencer, what the hell's happening with this hurricane and tropical oh, weather yeah. system that might affect California? Uh, well, you, well, I'm sure you know this, Mark. Uh, the, the last time a tropical storm made landfall in California was uh, 80, 84 years ago, 19, uh, 1939. Uh, because, as you know, the Pacific waters at this far north are generally too cool to support structure of a tropical storm or hurricane and certainly too cool to allow a storm like that to intensify and grow uh, but right now the sea surface temperatures on the pacific are higher than average the ocean is pretty warm right now uh, and so even though this now um, category four hurricane hillary is going to weaken a bit as it moves northward and it'll be downgraded to a category two and then to a tropical storm it is likely to make landfall in Southern California on Monday as a tropical storm, something that hasn't happened in 84 years. Now, even if it were not to do this, because I know that these hurricane tracking elements can change rapidly, meaning if the, uh, the thing goes off just even a degree or a degree and a half, you end up with it hitting the Mexico coast or the coast of Baja, then it falls apart. But even if that were to be the case, there's still gonna be this release, a tremendous release of water, right? And that's, oh. I, I suppose, that continues to be the threat. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and in fact, there's a wish I had that graphic I could show you now, but there's um, a graphic I used on the air today that shows parts of um, western uh, Arizona, southern Nevada, and much of the state of California, not including the Bay Area, uh, under an excessive rainfall watch or warning. Uh, when they say excessive Albert, rainfall, you don't have that for Spencer's? There it is. I love oh, Come on, Albert. Albert, thank you. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, nicely yeah, done. Yeah. So, yeah, so those, those darker colors indicate the uh, areas that will be most uh, severely uh, affected by the, by the rain and more, most likely to flood. But look at how, all the way up into north of L.A. and over to the Central Valley and over into the Sierra foothills, we're expecting uh, at least the potential for flooding rain and flash flooding. Um, that's, that's crazy. We just don't see storms like that, or at least not in our recent memory here in California. And look at all that rain into Nevada, too. As you say, it's yeah. all ac across the West. It's just a, um, I mean, not all of the West, but wow. I mean, you're talking about Arizona, Nevada, California, and that brutal area of heavy rain. So it's flash flooding, it's mudslides, it's all that stuff associated with that, huh, Spencer? That'll it's be Sunday that, and Monday. Yeah. Is that the timing on it? That's exactly right. A late Sunday into, uh, through the day on Monday, probably, if it stays on the track it's on right now, as you pointed out, you know, these things can shift uh, there are various factors that can cause that but if it stays on its projected path um we'll start to feel a like a sharp increase in humidity here in the bay area on sunday and then the chance for rain here will start to increase sunday night through the day on monday and possibly into early tuesday and when we say rain here in the bay area we're talking about just measurable rain maybe you know several hundredths of an inch maybe up to uh, up to a tenth of an inch um uh, again, based on uh, current observations, sure. but just south of here, I mean, you know, from um, oh, about uh, Monterey uh, County down to San Benito County, and then going southward, we expect, we definitely expect uh, some flash flooding or some localized flooding uh, because the rainfall totals there will be significantly higher than anything we might get here in the Bay Area. What a wild, wild scenario. Really oh, yeah. crazy. So you're on the air this weekend? Uh, I will be on the air this weekend. Yeah, I'm doing the 5, 6, and 11 p.m. Uh, weather uh, tomorrow and Sunday. 
today I had an unusual shift. I was covering for my colleague, Drew Tuma. I was doing the early morning news and the midday. I had to arrive at the station at 3 a.m. today. Oh, oh my yes, that is yes. Just what? Yeah. Takes you back to your old days on Good Morning America, doesn't it, Spencer Christian? <laughs> what time did you have to get there at ABC, the studios there, to do Good Morning America? Oh, it, it was easy compared to this schedule here in the mornings. I had to be there by 5 a.m. Uh, all the all the main on-air people had to be there by 5 a.m. And we went on air at 7. And now it's even more relaxed. I think they all get in there like around 6 these days, get their makeup and go on and, you know. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They sent a car for you, Spencer, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I would get yeah. a car, especially if I was uh, leaving after the uh, broadcast to go on a remote. Uh, sure. Which I did many. But there were many days I, I didn't want to have to have somebody talking to me at all. Oh, all the way from yeah. my home to the studio. So many days I would drive my own car in if I didn't have to travel after the new after the uh, broadcast. And the and the company gave me a like a parking spot in a nearby garage. So uh, yeah. look at you, Spencer Christian, with the big fat <laughs> network deal, huh? Yeah, they sent one car to pick him up and take him to work, uh, Kim, and another car. They just dropped off big trunk loads of money at Spencer's house. It was He's a one-way trip. Christian, did we expect yeah. anything else? I, I did. I did, in fact, earn some trunk loads of money while I was there, but I lost yeah. most of it. <laughs> yeah, but you got the smiles and good times to a show for. Oh, yeah, we I love you. We'll watch you this weekend. Oh, oh, so, go ahead, Kim's, Kim's got a question. Kim, go My ahead. My question Sorry. is this, and I don't know whether you know the answer, whether mm. this whole tropical storm hurricane Kim, how are you? in California mm -hmm is a one-off like you know it happened in 1939 happens now or are we a hurricane state now are we a tropical storm state because i was willing to accept earthquakes spencer and <laughs> yeah. and i know that i had no choice over the wildfires but i, I mean i wasn't a hurricane girl or a tornado yeah. girl and right, what's going right. on like is this now the way it is well if you had asked me that question maybe two decades ago i would have said this is a one-off thing but we have seen the effects of a rapidly warming planet and rapidly warming oceans. And I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of thing starts to happen uh, with greater frequency. I don't want to say no. greater frequency. I don't mean like every year, but yeah. but you know, it's, it's not going to be another 84 years before yeah. California sees a tropical storm or hurricane making landfall because of how rapidly the planet is warming. So as, the, as this part of the Pacific gets warmer, uh, we'll see at least the possibility, the potential for more tropical systems to develop. Uh, Kim, batten Thank down the you. hatches. I'm yeah. really not liking the answer, but I will accept it. Thank you, Spencer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's our pal. We love him. Check him out on ABC7 love all you weekend. Uh, you see you, Spencer Christian. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you. Yeah. Big shout out. Yeah, we love our Spencer Christian, everyone. I miss that guy. The Mark Thompson Show. Everybody should have a Spencer Christian in their life, and for that reason, we bring him on so you can yeah. have a Spencer Christian in your life. Now, I would like to uh, take a catch a breath if i can mm -hmm. and we have the culture blaster in the waiting area before i bring the culture blaster on albert is there anything else i need to do i feel like i'm forgetting something or am i missing something i don't know what to, albert thank you i don't know what i'm supposed to do um i think we're, we're running good on time well we're okay. not on time but i think but mostly on time so yeah. yeah uh we um we do appreciate, uh, let me quickly uh, just mention this, because I do have to uh, uh, mention this one thing. Uh, the Mark Thompson Show.
We are finishing up a really big week. We've had great guests, and we've got great guests for next week. I think we've got the authors on board next week, and, of course, a continuing conversation with all of our regulars, David Katz, David K. Johnston, uh, Pulitzer Prize winners, John Rothman will be back by, and, of course, uh, Avalid Shore, et cetera. But I do want to mention Jefferson Graham on tech, that uh, we exist because of you. I'd love for you to be part of the community that supports this show. And again, the way you do it, you do it with super chats and super stickers here in YouTube. You can contribute along the way. It really matters. We literally have no way of supporting our staff and paying everybody unless it comes from you, our community. So thanks to all of you who are a community of supporters. And you can go to themarkthompsonshow.com. There are click-throughs to Patreon or PayPal. And you can become a subscriber at, at a small donor amount or as big a donor amount as you want. PayPal and uh, Patreon both. We uh, scroll all the names of our patrons and supporters both from PayPal and Patreon at the end of every show because, honestly, you make every show work. So thank you for that. Again, themarkthompsonshow.com, Patreon, and PayPal. Great ways to, uh, uh, to keep us rolling. So appreciate yeah. that. Uh, the great Michael Snyder, the culture blaster, awaits you in minutes. Mark Thompson Show. Oh, my God. It's the Mark Thompson Show. (laughs) The Mark Thompson Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Shadow Stevens. This is the Mark Thompson Show. Keep it to yourself. Here's Mark Thompson. All right, everybody, we're back. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, I love movies. I love music. Who doesn't love the arts? And one guy comes in regularly. He's a writer. He's a creator. You can find him across social media as the culture blaster, they call him. Are you always the culture blaster or sometimes just culture blaster? Yeah, uh, okay. All right. Well, we'll talk to you in a minute. He comes and goes on a rainbow. He's the great Michael Snyder, everybody. Uh, Mark, in your case, you can call me Mr. Blaster. <laughs> uh, hi, Mark. Are um, you uh, hi, buddy? Good on to see you. I'm social media. Are you the Culture Blaster? No, I am not. I am at Culture Blaster. Okay. No article, except of course the myriad articles I've written. Yes. Uh, Kim, just how are Blaster, you? Okay. Albert, hello. Yes. All right. Hi, uh, lovely audience. You know, honestly, yeah. if you're listening to Spencer Christian. I'll be straight with you. I am a little concerned about Hurricane Hillary making landfall in California this weekend. But yes. but on the positive side, <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump has offered a solution. Lock her up. As soon as he heard, oh. as soon as he <laughs> heard Hillary, that way. Oh, he figured, wow. you know, we're fine. Yeah. So, you know, I, I make the rounds, buddy. Uh, earlier this week, I was in Glendale, California at a party to celebrate the uh, new location of Analogger. Uh, that's analog with a little R at the end. And that place is, I guess you'd call it a music equipment store. And they have an amazing collection of memorabilia, including vintage instruments, audio gear, clothing, set lists, photos, the whole deal. So I'm there. I'm starting to check out the, the collection. It's Phil Spector's keyboard. Wow. How do you, how do you know? 
the scent of gunpowder. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you? How no, but, dare you make light of that? There were all sorts of things. Yes. Uh, what? Uh, I mean, was was any of Phil Spector's stuff actually on yes, sale? Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you could get his keyboard. How so, much was his keyboard I, priced at? I am not in that market. I, I can't even. You think didn't about even bother to ask how much Phil Spector's keyboard is. I worry about the cost What's of a cappuccino, man. I'm not thinking oh. about buying Phil Spector's it's keyboard. Not a, it's not a question of you buying it. Uh, it's a question of information. It was amazing. Oh my! They, they God. had. Why are you yelling? They had George Harrison's sleek Beatles era suit, John Lennon's uh, Lennon's red house coat, Elton John's 1974 tour jumpsuit. Ew, it was so nice. Some guitars uh, that belonged to Eric Clapton, a million dollars plus worth of guitars. And here's the truth if you touch one of Clapton's guitars, you're suddenly an anti-vaxxer. It's amazing. Oh, my God. There's never been anything like this. Yes. And And this is their new hoax. No, I'm I'm not kidding. Anyway, it's really cool. Uh, If you're interested in their collection and uh, and you have the cash and what have you, you can find out a little bit about them by going to info at analogger.com. That's A-N-A-L-O-G-R.com. Albert, I think it's about time you send me and buy me a gift, if I can say that. I think maybe this would be a... That's real. I think Phil Spector's keyboard would be a great thing to have. If you get George Harrison's suit back from their uh, touring days, you have to have it dry cleaned to get the scent of uh, pheromones off of it. I those, see. He those is, teenage uh, girls. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was uh, strong back then. Now, There's a reason this, that place this place is, is fun. fun. That's right. All right. Back in the day. Shall we talk movies? Please. Mark Thompson. Okay. Michael, as, uh, uh, it's, um, uh, it's quickly... Um, uh, oh, I see. Okay, good. They know. No, please. So, Michael, what do you have for us on movies? Uh, well, uh, just what we needed. Uh, another summertime superhero movie. Oh, my God. They keep coming. And, and another one from DC Comics via Warner Brothers or vice versa, uh, especially in the aftermath of the frantic, messy, and unsatisfying release of The Flash from the same corporate beast. But surprise, Blue Beetle is actually good. Uh, in fact, as DC and Warner's movies go, uh, this is one of the better ones, uh, and it offers representation with its hero and his family that reflects the current comic book iteration of a character who has actually been... You, you don't know Blue Beetle? Do I you? don't know Blue Beetle. This character iteration has, is a ding word. This no, character has been around in a couple of earlier forms since 1939. Wow. The original Blue Beetle, uh, Dan Garrett, got enhanced crime-fighting abilities back then by drinking a vitamin potion. I was like, I've been Taking my multivitamins. It's a wild idea. Ooh, it's a wild uh, idea. Eventually, he, would, he yeah. would get superpowers from a mystical scarab when he was revived in the mid 1960s by Charlton Comics. Then tech whiz Ted Cord, who who was Garrett's protege, took the mantle of the character. Uh, uh, protege, and, and the character shortly thereafter moved over to DC Comics until 1920. Uh, excuse me, until 2006. Uh, when young Jamie or Jaime, Jaime Reyes, we'll call him Jaime, let's get the pronunciation proper here. Mm-hmm. Jaime Reyes, it looks like Jamie, uh, a Mexican-American teenager bonded against his will with a blue scarab from outer space to become the third and most recent version of uh, Blue, Blue Beetle. Beetle. Now, but when you say bonded with, I mean, it, it gets, it like the fly bonded? You know, well, kind of. The, this uh, scarab attaches itself to the kid. Wow. Uh, you know David Cronenberg's movies? This movie, The Blue Beetle, has some body horror moments. So wow. I, I'll warn you right here and now right, about that. Go ahead, yeah. Anyway, so um, Jaime's the one the new movie's all about, and compared to The Flash and other DC movies connected to the company's first attempt to do kind of a Marvel-style cinematic universe, 
Blue Beetle is telling a comparatively simple story with little excess baggage of other heroes in previous story arcs. Here, Jaime, who is, by the way, played by a genuine find, Sholo uh, Maraduena. Uh, this guy's in his early 20s, uh, Jaime, and the first of his close-knit, unabashedly ethnic family to graduate from university. So armed with his diploma, Jaime comes home to his rundown Latino neighborhood in otherwise fancy high-tech Palmyra City, embraces his loving mother and dad, his keen-minded grandma, Abuela, I guess is what yeah, you would say, Abuela, sure. uh, his snarky younger sister and uh, his boisterous uncle, and he learns they're about to be evicted. So finding it impossible to convert his degree into a decent paying job, we've heard this issue before, mm. uh, Jaime instead takes on work as a pool boy at the mansion of mega corporation CEO Victoria Cord. Uh, the sister of the missing Ted Cord, the former Blue Beetle. Oh, sure. And she's the villainess of the tale, and she's played by Susan Sarandon. Mm. Uh, and this is the quintessential greed-is-good autocratic megalomaniac. So Victoria is evicting the Reyes family just to solidify her evil bona fides, I think, just for the hell of it. No bona fides. Yeah. Anyway, uh, her real focus is harnessing the power of an alien artifact, the Scarab, to create super soldiers and cash in on government contracts. So through a set of circumstances triggered by Ted Kord's humanitarian-minded daughter, who detests her Aunt Victoria, Jaime bonds with the Scarab painfully, like I was mm, saying a little earlier. I see. It, was not a, it wasn't a wanted bond, No, the craziness ramps up, uh, and uh, he can make a costume of protective armor, materialize, form energy blasts and shields and fly. And of course, Victoria wants the scarab back and sends her troops after Jaime's family. And uh, her hyper-strong bodyguard is sent after the new Blue Beetle. So uh, Maraduena is pretty perfect as Jaime, uh, who reluctantly finds himself with superpowers that at first uh, seem more like a curse than a blessing. Uh, he leans on boyish charm, this young actor, a nobility of purpose that doesn't come off as heavy-handed, and he's got a lot of love for his people. And in this case, the move to representation really enhances the project with a group of lesser-known but very talented Hispanic actors, some who have had careers in Mexican film and telenovelas and are now given a mainstreamy forum to show off their dramatic and comedic skills, their culture, their likability. You know, there's a sort of ringer here, though, playing a member of Jaime's family, and that's a comedian and sitcom vet George Lopez as Jaime's funny wow. loyal and conspiracy-obsessed and mechanically skilled, that comes in handy, mm -hmm. Uncle Rudy, who's got this barrio <laughs> hipster vibe, and it lightens, well, that's cool. lightens every scene he's in. Uh, the Latin vibe itself is exhilarating throughout, and it's enhanced by the actors and lively, uh, tuneful needle drops. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, <sighs> director uh, Angel Manuel Soto clearly connected with the character and the idea of the Reyes family being one of Jaime's superpowers. They, they all come to support him at any given uh, opportunity. And even the requisite climactic CGI battle doesn't kill the good vibes of Blue Beetle. I was still all like, Viva la resistance! <laughs> uh, so anyway, there is a, a solid standalone here. Uh, it delivers a good origin story, fantastical comic book action, some breezy humor, and that family warmth. And it never seems to be using its Latin American aspects in a gratuitous or gimmicky way. General, genuine respect for the culture. Gratuitous.
and the community and this thing is as brightly hued as a you know playground mural in the inner city it's sure. got that kind of crackle anyway i like that's Beatles. great and it sounds like you don't need to have seen anything else or known any story a backstory you, to be able to jump right into you this. you don't but some people will think of it oh it's another boilerplate superhero movie but it's done right which is really the, the wow and you are this you are a superhero your comic book nerd guy so oh uh, thanks thanks tom i mean that in a good way tom says uh Megalomania, and I missed that, and requisite is a ding word, Tom yeah. says. Okay. If, if you say so, Tom. Look, I'm not particularly a dog lover, I'll admit it, uh, and I'm not a fan of scatological <laughs> humor, yet I found myself really enjoying and, and sporadically laughing at strays. Sporadically. Yeah, uh, It's a somewhat uh, disposable live-action computer-enhanced comedy about a scruffy, good-natured border terrier named Reggie, voiced by Will Ferrell. Uh, who was abused by his loutish owner, Doug. Uh, loutish. Played by Farrell's old SNL castmate, Will Forte. Abandoned by Doug in the big city, miles from his home, the, this naive, optimistic Reggie is befriended by a streetwise and really foul-mouthed Boston Terrier <laughs> named Bug and voiced by Jamie Foxx, not Jaime in this case, Jamie. Uh, before anything too horrible happens, Bug kind of intercedes and kind of saves Reggie from uh, going down that dark alley, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Reggie gets schooled by Bug and the uh, ways of the strays, uh, and the two new comrades team up with two other strays, Maggie, the Australian Shepherd, voiced by Down Under's Isla Fisher of Wedding Crashers fame, yeah, right. yeah, and, and wife of uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, as a matter of fact. Um, and Hunter, the uptight Great Dane, uh, voiced by Randall Park from Fresh Off the Boat and the Marvel Universe, and, and also the director of the great recent indie comedy, Shortcomings. So his eyes newly opened to the injustices of Doug's treatment of him, Reggie vows to journey back to his home and exact revenge on his cruel master. Oh. Uh, and and he's going to bring Bug with him? Uh, well, all three dogs are going to join him. I uh, love the other it. three dogs agree to accompany him. So Strays, which, by the way, is directed by Josh Greenbaum, who did Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, sure. And sitcoms like New Girl and Fresh Off the Boat, which is where he probably... Uh, bonded to Randall Park like Jaime bonds with the Scarab, kind of like that. <laughs> Callback. Uh, this becomes a crude homeward bound, right? With, with calculated bursts of grossness, but there was a surprising sweetness regarding huh? uh, the canines together and the more nurturing and kind-hearted side of human-dog relations. Uh, as I suggested, it's got quite a few laughs, but I have to warn you, and I'm going to hammer this, vulgarities abound. There are many F-bombs, many. Uh, I heard, by the well, way... Well, they put the R rating in the poster. They put it right over Bug's mouth. And rightly so. Yeah. Uh, I heard, by the way, that the original catchphrase on the poster for the movie was, you'll believe a dog can curse. <laughs> 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 anyway, many dogs curse in strays. Okay. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Like, friends, the dreams do come true. Oh, yeah. Anyway, fuller disclosure, it's filthy. And by filthy, I am speaking of feces and dog genitalia jokes, as well as the language. Uh, but that said, the voice work from the four main dog actors was nails and forte doesn't hold back when embodying a doug's scumminess and even if it's ultimately forgettable and it kind of is yeah i was entertained by strays and that counts for something uh like uh, blue beetle it's in theaters this weekend but if it sounds like your thing and dog fanciers that might take to it uh do a bargain matinee price or just wait for streaming wow all right he liked it 
Yeah. Uh, what else you got for us? Yeah, let's get a little snootier. You're always saying, oh, he knows the superhero stuff. He knows the foreign stuff. That's true. Uh, You've got the broad breadth of things that you know. All right. Love Life is a sad but rewarding Japanese drama about Taiko and Jiro, a wife and husband who live with Taiko's 10-year-old son, Kita, in an apartment situated across a courtyard from the building where Jiro's parents live. Oh, that can't be proper. It's like everybody loves Raymond, but with Asians. Yeah, not so much. No? Uh, not so much. Okay. No. Uh, okay, uh, so uh, Jiro's father uh, doesn't like Taiko, even though Jiro's mother is friendly to her daughter-in-law. But all of them celebrate little Keita's uh, championship status as a gamer. Unfortunately, a tragedy strikes, which results in the return of Keita's father, Park, who ditched Taiko and uh, Keita some years back. So Park happens to be deaf and what we like to call unhoused these days. And uh, Taiko, uh, desperate to cope with the, the turn in her life, uh, reaches out to assist her ex, much to the chagrin of the simmering Jiro. Look, watching these people muddle through what might uh, be lightly referred to as an unfortunate turn of events sounds like a bummer. Uh, but the screenwriter-director, uh, Koji Fukada, has made a fascinating and somber behavioral study of love, loyalty, pain, and guilt that is worth a watch. Uh, Fumino Kimura is particularly impressive here as the broken but good-hearted and determined Taiko who is trying to somehow survive in the face of unexpected loss. Uh, I thought Love Life was pretty powerful, and, I, and again, it's somber, and it has a deliberate pace to it, but I found it, um, as I said, rewarding. It's in theaters now. Art house theaters, I'm sure. This is, I see. This is not competing with Blue Beetle for your attention. People. But you, you really like this. I so, did. Uh, am, is this going to make me cry? Uh, uh, it'll choke you up a little bit. It's, yeah. it's a little sad. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> well, make sure you just don't cry. All right. Anyway, so there's that. Uh, let's uh, do some quick. So, I'm sorry. Uh, once again, it's subtitles. Yes, uh, of course, in yeah. Japanese, in Japanese, and, and Korean with okay. subtitles. Park is uh, Korean born. Got it. Um, so, uh, I, I want to quickly talk about. Um, Operation Napoleon. Yes, Because sir. we hear about these foreign films being all snooty art house films. Operation Napoleon is not. It is a standard action thriller, the kind that you would see from uh, English language productions. And it's essentially all about a crazy circumstance at the end of World War II where something hinky was going on. And a, um, I guess you'd call it... Uh, a plan called Operation Napoleon was in effect, and a, a plane crashes in Iceland, and apparently people have been looking for this plane since the end of World War II because there's something inside that's really going to change the face of uh, geopolitics or something to that effect. So uh, it's an old World War II German fighter plane, and all these people come out to the scene to try to find it, but it's actually in this desolate part of Iceland. Hmm. Uh, desolate thing. And uh, I'll tell you who else is interested in getting this plane besides a bunch of faceless treasure hunters or weirdos, and that's the director of the CIA no. who has been trying to find this Operation Napoleon thing sure. for a very long time. Uh, and uh, it's... I just had a good time watching it, and uh, you know, uh, who's the a, director of the CIA? I mean, uh, oh, the director of the CIA is played by an actor you may recognize. That's what and I that thought. That would be I maybe I Ian Glenn, who um, was in Game of Thrones and yeah. also played Bruce Wayne in the recent show Titans. That that would be Batman. Mm -hmm. So uh, the other people aren't as familiar, 
but uh, a, a woman, a feisty woman and her buddy and boyfriend, her brother is lost out amidst the, uh, the, the peaks and the, and the glaciers and what have you, so she wants to go out there and find him. Before. Sure, she has personal reasons she to She does to go have an agenda. To... This is pretty much... There's never beef. been anything like this. Well, there's been a lot of stuff like this. <laughs> only. This, is, this is in a bunch of foreign languages and English, so mm -hmm. you don't have to constantly be reading subtitles, but, you right. know... Uh, it, it was. I, I would give it a C plus. It was okay. It was fun. It was diverting. And I think uh, watching it on streaming, which uh, is, is available right now, um, right. might be fun. It, I see. It's so a, it's available it, on streaming. Yeah, as it's well. a B movie, Operation Napoleon, and I kind of liked it. Yeah. Uh, wow. A lot here to uh, reflect on. Operation Napoleon. The plane crash with something in the plane. We're not sure what it is. Those Nazis were up to something. It's World War Two. Could be anything at all. I can't tell you what it is. Yeah. But uh, it's big and a lot of people want to find it. It's a C plus, is what Michael said. Uh, B minus. I mean, you know, I had fun watching it. Sometimes you just want to turn the brain off and watch a little action yeah, crazy. Yeah, sure. I'm totally, we, we get that. There are colorful moments, but yeah, it's, it's not great. It's just not completely mm. dismissible. Love Life is the uh, Korean Japanese subtitled number that has a complex family relationship. Sounds kind of intriguing. Sure. Michael liked it. I did. Strays is the Jamie Foxx and Will Ferrell film. It's dogs that talk. And not only do they talk, they cuss almost wall to wall. Well, so, yeah, I, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't want you to bleep me, but uh, yeah, that's not that. What? Uh, okay. I mean, so... Uh, but they hatch a revenge plan. Right. Our, the most beleaguered of the four decides to get beleaguered revenge on, is a ding word. On his master. Yeah. Strays is the name of that one. It's yeah. in theaters. Blue Beetle is the DC comic superhero film reconstituted and reborn. And it has a cool Latin flavor that you like. Spicy. Spicy. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's a DC comic-inspired world. And it's better than many of them. It's certainly better than uh, The Flash, which came out earlier this year. You know, Mark, I, I do want to quickly say uh, mm -hmm. on the TV front, I've yes, been sir. finally watching the episodes of the new season of Black Mirror, the sci-fi oh, yes. show that's sure. kind of predicated on uh, mm -hmm. the digital world we now live in. And the first one I watched, Joan is Awful, Highly recommend that on Netflix. Uh, Black Mirror Joan is awful with Annie Murphy of uh, Schitt's Creek, uh, Salma Hayek, and others I don't want to mention because there are surprises involved here. People kind of want to get on the Black Mirror train. Sure. And, uh, and Annie Murphy, uh, she plays a young woman work, you know, she's sort of a corporate middle management type, and she finds to her shock that her life is being adapted into a TV program, a, a, a prestige <laughs> miniseries, and she has no that can't That's be a real. Great premise. It can't be real. Anyway, yeah. Joan is awful, and uh, along with USS Callister from a few years uh, back on That's Black Mirror. That's so terrific. You got to watch them. That one was with Jesse Plemons and Kristen Milioti. Anyway, just a, a big thumbs up for Black Mirror. I always love it, and uh, Joan is awful is great. If you want to reach Michael specifically on any subject, follow up questions, whatever, as I've mentioned, it's at Culture Blaster across social media. A great writer. You're still doing the 
You're doing the coastal commuter. I thought you're doing it on a block. Where are you doing it now? Uh, I'm I'm actually turning it into a bit of a uh, podcast. What, what would you call it? Kind of a podcast. Yeah. yeah something will you keep us posted on that? Because we'd love to promote it. I will. And if you want to check me out on. Um, Threads. I'm Mike the Knife one two three. Oh, Mike the Knife one two three on Threads. As I am uh, on Instagram. So oh, Mike the Knife one two three gets a lot done on both Instagram and Threads. And 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 yes. you can hear Mark and I talk uh, on mm. a regular basis if you go to the Facebook Michael Snyder's Culture Blast page. Oh. Plugs over. I think it's Mark and me, by the way, not Mark and I. But uh, Oh, yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, I, I think I, I'm just too afraid of the impending hurricane to think straight. <laughs> he comes and goes on a rainbow. Bye-bye, Michael. Go, Giants. We need to win. We need to win, Giants. The Mark Thompson Show. I can't believe we got to wind down, but we've got to. I mean, no, we've got to, you know, yeah. it really has been quite the show. If you haven't yet and you're just joining us, smash that like button smash like a boss. with your iron rod. Show us love, baby. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Every damn day we'll do it live. And we'll do it live on Monday. I want to acknowledge a couple of people. How about Ron? Ron Majaris or Ron Mijaris? I don't know, but I'll say Ron yeah. Majaris, Ron Mijaris. Thank you for $10 <laughs> and a big shout out. Big shout out. God, I love that. Thank you for the super sticker. Pinky, a dollar a day. Thank you so much, Pinky. Thank you so much. Thank you for a dollar. Marilyn Gunning. Thank you for the fiver, Marilyn. Big shout big out. Big shout out. John Woodward with a big, it's John Woodard, I believe, for 10 yeah, bucks. Big shout out. Big shout out, John. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, to thank Daniel D, Lori, with the 20. This is Lori from uh, above the bar, the Red Jack. To thank Daniel D for his $64 contribution to Maui Relief, my head hurts from drinking the eight Kona Big Waves that he bought. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. Good times and money to a good cause, Maui Relief. Big shout out, Big Laura, shout to out. all of you at the Red Jack. Love you all over there. Thank you so, so much. Really special. I think it's uh, quite special indeed. Thank you so, so much. In fact, I want to say something to you all who've contributed. Maybe you've joined our Patreon or PayPal crew. Maybe you've upped your support, your monthly support on Patreon or PayPal. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Four thank yous. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Very, very fun. All right, everyone. I wish I could stay all day, but I already have. Ricky O'Bear says, PayPal and Patreon love the donors. Right on, donors. Yeah. We'll do it live. I'll write it and, and we'll, we'll do, do it, it live. live. We'll do it live on Monday. Looking forward to that. Karen Cooper says, Aloha. Happy weekend. Keep Maui in mind, indeed. Yeah. All right. Kim is going over to the after party live. Look. I love an after party. And when I love an after party, the only after parties that I go for are the live ones. Yeah. And this is an after party live. It's over on the After Party Live channel. Albert, thank you. Great Florida today. Albert, thank you. Kim, thank you. Kim, how are you? Mm -hmm. And thanks, everybody, for your help and support all week. For the Mark Johnson Show. Bye bye. Thanks to all our uh, pundits and experts and bye analysts. Bye. More bye. next week. Till next week. Bye-bye.